Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. With every guest I have on this Self-Helpful Podcast, I ask them about their personal values, motives, and habits in the key areas of life following the seven spokes in the Ziegler wheel of life. In this show, I bring my key co-hosts back to talk through our highlights together in each spoke for the year. Tom Ziegler, CEO of Ziegler Inc. and son of legendary motivator Zig Ziegler. Uh, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert. They're with me and we all share our highlight learnings, ponderings and resources in the seven spokes, which include spiritual relational, health and wellness, mindset, career, money, and personal interest. For the three of us, our daily vocations are almost exclusively investigating and leading ourselves and others in self-help. Tom works with many executives and coaches. Randy works with his patients, and I work with you, my self-helpful audience, and select individuals I coach. But here I turn the tables on us. What did we most pursue and grapple with and what resources did we utilize, which include people and books and more? Uh, You can find Tom Ziegler at Ziegler.com and Randy at TrueLifeMedicine.com. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, we're grateful for reviews. Mostly grateful if you take the discussion and talk with someone so it gets more ingrained in your own psyche and it elevates them as well. You can always find me, connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Tom Ziegler, Dr. Randy James, and I walk through a year of values, motives, and habits in the seven key areas of life. I'm a foodie, and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous. And I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, coming into this with a part 
two since we were going to do this last week and we got, uh, I say derailed. It was a great rail. Um, but we went down a path here, this one. Yeah. I want to walk through the Ziggler wheel of life and kind of get some perspective from you guys. And I may chime in on my own as well of, of the highlights, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is in each category. And, uh, and I'm interested in resources. I mean, I hang out with you guys enough to hear, thank goodness, a lot of your resources and where you say, go get this book or you'll just put it on my desk, Randy. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, to, to hear who has, who, what has influenced you, uh, as well. So last time I started off, I think with you, uh, first Tom, so I'll hit you, Randy. So when you think about 2022 this year, we've got a day and a half left in, I think. And spiritually, as you look back, what's the, what's a highlight thought feeling that was predominant for you spiritually in this last year. And as we talked the other day and have been thinking about it between Christmas and New Year's and kind of a thoughtful time, um, in contrast to years past, there wasn't a a dominant theme. But in chatting with you guys, I would say, it was good that there that my uh, hope for the future is also built on the reality of the past. And last time we talked about a, a central word or whatever, and, and my word has been relationship. That ultimately, with God, in that spiritual sense, that if 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 it is true that God exists that I am not him and that then, okay, what, what is that going to help or uh, lead me to do or even think today in this moment? And so a dedication to having time in the morning to just be there without uh, the purpose of reading this book or that book or whatever, but just to, to be with God and to focus in on what is the relationship and we've all been talking with each other for a long time. And so in, the, in times past, that has been built around, well, there's been moments of breath, of what is when God breathed into man and, and, and we all breathe. And I also get to be a physician thinking about it from, a, well, what is breath and what's it doing? And, um, and to, to just be thinking about that in relationship with God as I breathe. So that was the early part of the year. Uh, the second part of the year was the uh, commitment to walking to work since my son started driving in Jan, in, Fe, in March. And that was, that was a huge change in my life to no longer be chief chauffeur on the way to school. So now I get to walk to work. And the, the temptation to put earbuds on and try to be efficient with learning or with something else and then to say, nope, I'm just not going to do it. Just, and so then to have a rhythm of, of 30 minutes of walking um, and to just see where the mind goes in that spiritual sense. And so to be also on the physician side, being aware that, okay, there is neuroscience. Your brain does do things. There is a default mode network. Where does your brain go when it's not going anywhere? And to try to step back and be aware of that. Hmm. So six months later, 
I'm grateful that my <clears throat> often my brain will go towards a conversation with God or a conversation with myself or a contemplation of, especially on snowy mornings, snow and nature and cold and, and, and breathing because, you know, you're breathing hard and just awareness of those things. And is that a good thing to do? And I think it is. And, and so, so there's, there's my spiritual uh, rumination for 2022 was relationship with God in the now and on the second half of 22, walking in the morning, which I'm also amazed at the rate of change of the angle of the sun. Oh, yeah. and, and you cannot be aware of that unless you're doing it every day. And you're outside, yeah. And you're outside. And in the summertime, I walk on, you know, Lake Road over there, and, and the sun is right in your face. And now in the winter, it's 45 degrees over here, and it's barely up. Mm-hmm. And, and just to see the change... It, I am contemplating creation, why we are the way we are, and uh, yeah, so that's my All right. 2022. I'm, I'm going to ask you now, Tom, but I want you to think, too, if you have any specific resources that... I, I do, but do it's you? always the most recent one. Okay, well, just go ahead and tell me. The Problem of Pain. The Problem of Pain. Okay. C.S. Lewis. The Problem um, of Pain. Okay, that's, so we're talking a book that's a couple decades old, at least, if not... Well, three or four. I think it was written in in the forties, forty one. Okay, yeah, so we're eighty years, eighty years, <laughs> eight old. decades. The pain problem? still exists, <laughs> and wow. it's still a problem. Yeah. Of if God is good and God is all powerful, then why is there pain in the world? Okay. And, well, that's why I wanted to ask because I have that book and I could not tell you the nuances of it. So I'll I'll get back into it. Okay, Tom, tell me. Yeah, so a couple of things really stand out to me. Um, Similar. One is patience. I know, Randy, the more patience you have, the more money you make. (laughs) Different patience, yeah. (laughs) Hey, I looked it up the other day. Do you know what the root word of patient, why we have the word patient? is Latin for to suffer. Interesting. Well, that's what Ooh. you get, people in here who that's are suffering. They, yeah. And having the discipline of the other type of patience in my life is has an aspect of suffering. So yeah. there you go. All right, Tom. Yeah, and I, I uh, listened to the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, <laughs> which patience and... And then one of our our Ziegler um, speakers, Chris Dunham, we had him on a webinar, and somebody asked him, what's the biggest challenge today? And he said, distraction. And so those three things kind of played a key, um, trying to be less distracted. And it's, it's amazing how many choices we have in our distractions, right? We just... We just go on autopilot and allow them in, and we have to be intentional to push them out. Um, I think in that book, it talked about Dallas Willard said that you couldn't have a vibrant relationship with God if you were in a hurry. Mm. Just kind of impossible. Um, So that 
is if you talking about C.S. Lewis, I got back into the screw tape letters hmm. written around those same times. <laughs> and of course, the theme there is uh, distract the Christian. Keep them worried about stuff that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Right. Because then they won't have a relationship and they won't be any use. Um, so that whole theme. And then something else happened. Um, at the end of last year, I had the book coming out and I got into one of those moods where I'm like, okay, so, you know, what's, what's my legacy going to be? And the thought hit me that I've already built the legacy I have intentionally or accidentally, either way, right? If I go today, it's it's done. It's going to ripple out. So I looked at it a new way and I said, okay, so if, I'm, if I've got 20 more productive years in the workplace, because I don't ever, re retirement's not one of those things I would ever look forward to <laughs> as long as I'm able to keep doing what I do now, I, I just pick and choose more uh, in the future, then what would I want to do? And then that was, I had this burden for leaders. And I, in my head, it's called the new, the new generation of leaders. And it's leaders who have, it's not an age thing. It's a realization thing that the way we were taught to lead in the past or not taught doesn't work that command and control um, thing doesn't work. So that's where the coach leadership focus really became. <clears throat> and then as I dug into that, uh, I got scared because the program that we were building and has now come out, um, I mean, it's for leaders, but it really is, you, you need to have, you know, anybody, uh, you just got to have some direct reports to benefit from it. But if the company's a little bit bigger, they've got five or 10 leaders who all have direct reports. Then it's really powerful because now you can change a culture in, in the, the legacy thing, because coach leadership is equipping the people on your team to go do it without your <laughs> direct involvement. Right. So that's a passing of the torch. And then I got really scared because that meant that large businesses would really like this. And I'd made a conscious decision like 12 years ago to move away from corporate because of the politics and the decision-making and all the things that go on in that environment. Uh, and now all of a sudden it's like, I hear God saying, yeah, but corporate needs this. And so, so I was like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And then just a month ago, we, we got the largest contract we've ever had as a business in 50 years Wow! for a leader, a leadership program, uh, for 1500 leaders. And it's an amazing thing. It's a perfect fit. Uh, but it is not at all in in the territory I was uh, thinking I was supposed to go into. So it's, it's around the coach leadership. It's, it's around this thing. And so slowing down, don't be in a hurry, patience. And then, you know, this idea, and then I'm just sitting around at the people who are helping me 
just an awe because the skill that they're bringing to the table, I'm just like, I could have never done that. And so that's another lesson, right? You don't, you don't have to do that. There's other people God's prepared for that. Well, you talk about coach leadership. That is, of course, what took us the direction we went in the last, in our part one here. This is our part two. So in episode 109 too. So if you are listening, didn't hear that one, that's what we spent the time talking about. You mentioned the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That's John Mark Comer. Uh, had him on the show. It's probably been a couple years. I know he's got a new book out because they let me know. And I said, yeah, let's get it back on. So we'll have him back on for, uh, for that one. That was significant. And that's a statement, ruthless elimination of hurry, as you said, from Dallas Willard. Um, so yeah, super, uh, super big or important topic for me too, man. If I was to do a quick encapsulation, I, I would say, I'm going to reference, we talked about him this morning, Randy, at coffee with the guys, Andy Norman's book, Mental Immunity. And the second part of it is really where I kept focus on the show, which was on belief and just the aspect of what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And questioning my certainty and am I secure enough to grapple with it, to to question it? Is it tied to my self-identity and the danger of having a belief that I'm holding on to because it supports that personal identity. We talked this morning with our buddy Todd and said, yeah, if you all of a sudden came along and said that, man, all that exercise and healthy eating is now shown to shorten life and cause cancer. I, I can't do it anyway. I can't. Well, and I would, I would just inherently argue that cause I, I'm, I've wrapped my life around a lot of that, you know? So am I doing it because I believe it's good or because it's part of my self image and identity. And so that grappling, uh, has been significant. Um, Anthony DeMello's book awareness. Ha- I came back to again and it was one, I mean, it's a spiritual book, but it's also, it's really more of a psycho psychology book. And just again, looking at myself, kind of calling out my own, uh, junk, but I think questioning certainty. And we talked about that this morning, your line from your book that you're reading was, do you remember, can you state it? The it's easier to slide into certainty than to uh, sustain uh, doubt, sustain doubt to, and that, uh, that, that you, we are continually coming back to the good side of the word grapple. Yeah. Tension, wrestle, not in a bad way, but in a good way. And, and that takes effort. Humans don't like that. We want, we want the ease of certainty. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are, and in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier, and Air Doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. 
exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. And what what is that book? Because you and Tom were texting about it this week. Oh yeah, so I, I think that would be our December 2023 conversation, Tom. Okay, yeah, because I got to get into the book. But it's it, it's, it's, it's called um, Thinking, comma Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Yeah. Uh, who won the Nobel Prize in 2002 and then wrote the book and kind of as a summary of his work in 2011. He's got a new one out that's in in, in y'all's field called uh, the, uh, the Consequence of Noise or How Mistakes Are Made or something like that is when your thinking gets off track, then mistakes happen or, yeah. or wrong beliefs or whatever. Well, the next one here is relationships. Uh, and I'll... I'll I'll jump first on that one. This has been a big year of looking at relationships, looking at my own codependence tendencies, my own dysfunctions in relationship. And am I in relationship to feed the needs that I have 
the inherent voids that I have as opposed to being, you know, healthy and wholer in and of myself so that I can come into relationships authentically and with, 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 with desire and, and needs a hard word. Cause it could jump back and say, man, you don't, I, I need to, I, I don't want to need relationships. Well, that's inhuman. We, right. we of course need them. I need relationship. I need relationship with you guys, but if I need it, if from that relationship I have needs that I have got to have to fill me, then you're dependent on, then I'm on de- me. But then yeah. I'm codependent, and I yeah, and, and and I'm setting you up for failure. So if I come to you to either of you guys for to fill an internal need aside from just human connection, but affirmation, acceptance, whatever, and I I make it cite so many shows this year, uh, but if I do that, I am. Uh, I'm in trouble. And so that's been my focus. And, and lately I have so many resources I could cite. Of course I went, I did a lot of counseling, met with not only uh therapist, you know, licensed therapist, but some that are not licensed, but just incredible life coaches and aspect. Uh, I cite a lot. The book as of late though, that I am studying is called letting go the pathway of surrender. It's by David R Hawkins. Uh, he's deceased and it's that's his focus and of course we want connection of course we're made for relationship but how can we do it in a healthy space where we have let go of that dire need that i have lived my most you know most of my 50 years needing other people to fill these places within me that i need to fill you know myself now of course coming back to spiritual i've got like you guys a spiritual component of that that god is in that is the author of that for me, but, but still, you know, being able to look in the mirror, connect with myself before I can connect well with others. That that's been a highlight. If I to boil it down the best I can of relationships, Tom. Yeah. So I took a, um, self-assessment on, you know, EQ and, I like having the empathy of a rock. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That may be why we all gel as well, too. (laughs) Uh, And most people would not, uh, they would think just the opposite, right? Because I've been known to cry in public and, and, you know, uh, so I've been, I've been trying to figure that out. Um, And, you know, what is, so going back to the 10 virtues, um, what is, what's, what does it mean to love somebody or what does kindness mean? Because the world puts like a, a burden on you that, Oh, you gotta be kind. Well, it's, it's not kind to cave in or to allow somebody you love and care about to, to operate in a way that's going to damage themselves. Yeah. Right. But well, then you get accused of not being kind. Right. Cause there's like a, f- and, and so, and so I've just been like exploring. So what is the definition of that word and what is, and how is it applied and how is it misapplied? Because, you know, dad said the number one cause of a, poor self-image is the the lack of unconditional love, right? And so we we judge everybody, mainly ourselves, but other people too. What have you done for me lately, right? 
so it's conditional. It's what they do or don't do that, that yeah. instead of for who they are. And so it's allowed me to step back a little bit and just appreciate uh, the weird people in this world <laughs> do things that just flipping it from, boy, that really irritates me to, wow, look at that outcome. I would have never seen that, right? Um, and so that's, you know, claiming agency for yourself uh, and also giving other people agency at the same time. And that's a really interesting um, journey. And we all go on it to some extent. And then some people just get stuck in the certainty of their bias. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that was a big part of the book was uh, reading Nassim Tlaib's books on uh, anti-fragility and the black swan and the people who do best in disruption are the ones who are constantly testing what they know to be true with new information. They, they're very careful about where they get their inputs from and they get it balanced, right? A little bit from the left, a little bit from the right. Um, and when I mean a little bit, I mean a little bit. Because we've seen the polarization of our world because people will start leaning one direction and they'll just go all in that direction. And there's no wisdom there. There's no wisdom there. Hey, I want to pull. So you, you just referenced that author of the black swan and what was the other book? Did you, I think it's uh, anti-fragility. Oh, anti-fragile. Anti okay, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. So, so folks, if you heard that it's Nassim N A S S I M. Nicholas uh, Taleb, is that how you say it? T-A-L-E-B? Taleb? Taleb, Taleb, yeah, okay. probably. I don't know. Okay. Well, they're just, just to give them that. Randy? Uh, so <clears throat> Daniel Kahneman uh, also refers to him. So the, the intersection of everything that we're, we're kind of talking about uh, was my 2022 theme of relationship was not so much relationship with with spousal or kids. I mean, that's always a theme, but, uh, ultimately the foundation of, of everything is going to come down to the word relationship or, or it can, I mean, we could always spin it one way or the other, but even considering, um, God as a complex being that has interrelationships within himself. And, and it's, verbalized as a trinity or something like that to to say that all things are built on a relationship to something else and or, or a fellowship and so so relationship uh for, for me for 2022 has been wrapping trying to sit there because you can't wrap your brain around it it's the infinite interplay between me and myself first, like humans are self-aware first as, as an infant, you are aware of hunger, pain, cold, and, and you cry and, and that, and then you have to start putting it into perspective. And at some point you're aware of self-awareness. Now is, is, when does that happen? And uh, all of these psychology books and, uh, what, uh, Jordan Peterson goes back into the, 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 uh, the, the pediatric mind of, when is when are you aware that you're aware 
and to me, it's coming back to relationships. And so, okay, like uh, Kevin and, and your awareness of, of a marital relationship and the grappling of, of, of these things and even the codependency between friends or the potential. And, and so my thought this year has been my own internal awareness of awareness of relationship and, and then saying, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? And so I don't, I don't have a book. I I think uh, the, or, or a resource on that other than thinking about things that we always have been thinking about through the lens of that foundational relationship. There is, there is a, a reason why I have a bias and I can be becoming less biased or more focused in the right way kind of a bias if I understand those relationships. Well, and you mentioned self-awareness and gosh, I would be remiss if I was really to highlight mine now, as I think about it, it would be my focus this year was relationship on self was more, more than ever, as opposed to always the external, my relationship, relationship with God, with my spouse, with my kids, with my friends, whatever. And this was a look at, oh, what about the relationship with Kevin that I had, mm-hmm. that I had missed? So uh, health and wellness is our next category, which is your livelihood. <laughs> and uh, so I'll start with, I'll start with you, Dr. James, though. I do want to say, I want to pull out, you mentioned walking and uh, that was uh, from a resource. You started rucking. Tell people what rucking is. Yeah, that'll be a good thing to, to talk about for 2022. So uh, after reading the book, The Comfort Crisis, and becoming aware of the fact that we are, uh, and so Kevin is, always, so that's Michael Easter. I was going to look it up. Yeah, Comfort, comfort crisis. crisis. Which I got to say is just, it's not only... Uh, different than a lot of our nonfiction self-help books. This one's a, a really entertaining read. Uh, yeah. Stories itself, it's just, you'll laugh a, a lot. good writer. Too. He's a great writer. And uh, I'll, I'll, I, I need to get him on the show. He, he's a little uh, chappy. Or he'll, he'll rub you the wrong way on purpose because the whole point is to make you uncomfortable or to at least rec- help you to recognize where are, are, is your comfort levels creating crisis. So, Tom, for example, like people are comfortable with distraction and we have a crisis of distraction where um, the the uh, we are we are now seeing consequences of all of the distractions so that we can't, you know, focus a thought down a certain pathway, perhaps. Well, we also have a crisis of and, and the guy brings out in the book several temperature like we're never not 70 degrees or. Uh, and and so rucking is basically going on a hike with some weight on your back and and in fact a rucksack is the german word for backpack because ruck in german is is back and you bought a sack rucksack specifically made to carry what sand uh well no it, yeah, to carry weight and it doesn't use sand it oh. uses just weights that oh. fit what's They're, the what's the company uh uh uh, goruck.com. There you go. Okay. So now, yeah, it's kind of militaristic. A lot of the guys that are, you know, down this path. So that was my main caution was, well, wait a minute. These, I've worked with a lot of military people and hardly anybody goes through a 20 year military career and comes out the other side and says, wow, I'm so much healthier because oh, of your that. Your knees are blown and you're, yeah. Right. 
And I would say, well, it's not because of rucking. It's because they you, you go on a ruck, but then the military doesn't teach you to sleep well or to stress well or to eat well. I was going to well, say it's a lot of overuse and under, under recovery. recovery. That's yeah. right. That's right. So my uh, – and then – Interestingly, Peter Atia, the doc I always refer to all the time, also had him on the show and was uh, building rucking into his repertoire. But I will say I was doing it before Peter Atia. Oh, good. <laughs> Which from a resource, man, health and wellness, that is a primary resource that you use. Peter Atia, he's got a huge podcast. It's bigger than this one. And uh, you listen to him, glean a lot from him, use it. And, yeah. Peter uh, uh The Drive. Is uh, the Drive podcast. is the name of his podcast. There's lots of podcasts called The Drive, but his is that one as well. Um, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are consistent walk days and adding uh, 40 pounds of, of weight to the walk and and then trying to also say, well, if you're going to do that to your knees and your back, well, then feed them. So that's another reason to sleep well and eat well. And theoretically, over time, then I'm preparing a body that can maybe do some things with higher function and more longevity in the future. Sweet. Tom, I know you too on this side. You you, you mentioned it in, yeah, either in the last time, yeah. show or or just talking feed to them. us. Feed M&Ms. Feed, feed yeah, that too. No, I was going to talk about you. You this year was your year of, of a streak, not streaking, but a streak. So tell us about it. Yeah. So it started off. If, if I'm remembering right, um, I listened to atomic habits and the interesting thing is it had been on my list for a long time, but when atomic habits came out, I was in the middle of writing and finishing up writing my book, uh, choose to win which is about habits. And so I intentionally didn't read it because I didn't want to, um, you know, I wanted kind of Ziegler thinking. Luckily we agree on everything. Uh, And unfortunately I should have read it as soon as the manuscript was uh, finalized for choose to win because atomic habits is just a fantastic book to me. Fantastic books are ones that, give you the why behind the why and practical how to's at the same time. Right. So you, it, it hits you in two ways. Um, so it's a great, if you haven't read it, it's, it's a great book. And, and so he talked about how to start habits. And so somehow I got on my notion, I was going to start a, an exercise streak. And then I believe he goes into, you know, don't create a self-sabotaging habit, right? Like don't, don't start something that there's no chance you're going to be successful in it. Yeah. So for me, that would look like going to the gym five days a week. That would be an impossible standard for me to keep with my travel schedule and all the things that have going on. And so I said, well, I'm going to start a streak of working out every day for 30 minutes a day. And then I said, okay, so how do I keep the streak alive? Well, then I said, Working out, I define it as intentional movement. So it doesn't have to be on a piece of equipment. It, you know, and secondly, it doesn't have to be continuous. It can be 10 minute intentional movement times for a total of 30, because I know eventually I'm going to spend 14 hours in an airport. <laughs> and what do you do? 
well, I've got 14 hours to get 30 minutes of intentional movement. <laughs> and that can be all kinds of good stuff. And then I said, okay, so what, what is the, what would be an acceptable reason to break the streak? And the only acceptable reason that I could come up with is if the doctor said, you can't do any physical movement for intentional movement. And so, so since your doctor, been, Randy James, didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. So if I was in a sickness or a situation where actually a 30-minute intentional walk was going to ultimately be detriment, detrimental to my health, and the doctor said, don't do that, I wouldn't do that. So I've been doing that for seven months now. Um, and it's amazing how when you when you start on something – um, your interest in that area starts to grow. And so I started, so the second, this is a really interesting goal. I decided that I wanted to build up my strength without ever being sore. <laughs> and so I've got this medicine ball. And so the first day I did five medicine ball squats and it's not a heavy medicine ball. Right. Um, uh, and so I just built up. So now I do like 50 of them, but I've never been sore all through the process because every day I was just doing incrementally a little bit more. Uh, I did get um, planks. I did learn that I hurt my neck after 60 seconds. There's like, so, so maybe I have to do other exercises to support that area. But I'm not all about the, I'm not about the pain. I'm I'm a big believer in no pain, no pain. <laughs> so, but at the same time, we can get a little bit weller, as I've heard somebody say, <laughs> every day, without necessarily going too far over the edge, right? Um, and then, so I was speaking out in Reno. This is a couple of months ago now. And there was a doctor there, and he wrote a book called Stay Off My Operating Table, which uh, I just really got intrigued by it because the opening chapter of the book is he does a 10-hour, uh, Dr. Ovedia is his name. Uh, yeah, for those who watch the video year. here, I'm holding it up. There you go. There's the cover. I, he yeah, just sent it to me after you introduced us, so thank you. Yeah. So he's a cardiologist and he just had a 10 hour surgery with a heart patient um, in her thir in her 30s. He couldn't save her and he was mortified. Uh, he's, he left the, 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 the surgery going, that shouldn't have happened. Every reason she was there was a choice. It was all lifestyle associated stuff. And then he looked in the mirror and he had 100 pounds to lose. Hmm. And so he goes on this journey of, well, what is wellness? And um, he, he defines it as metabolic health, which is blood markers and waist circumference and blood pressure and some, some different things. And he, so it gives you some really practical stuff. So I read that. So I've been doing that for, I'm on my eighth week now. Um, and I've had two two meals in eight weeks where I had too many carbs or I had sweets, and that was Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Eve. So 
and it's ama- it's amazing uh, the difference in how well you feel. Well, so because I met him, he recommended this guy who wrote Brain Energy by a Harvard psychiatrist. And in that book, it basically says that every mental illness or challenge has a foundational root in poor metabolic health. In other words, what you eat is what causes a lot of the mental challenges that people have. And he, he's been treating patients for years and he studied this. And, and uh, so it's that book is I like the why behind the why. So it, it really goes into the, um, the science of what happens and the biology of what happens when you eat certain things. And he talks extensively about mitochondria, which I'd heard about. I think I just recently learned how to spell the word mitochondria. So, (laughs) and even then I'm glad for spell check. And so, and so I learned that every cell has hundreds or thousands of mitochondria and they all have jobs. They're the workers in our body. And these jobs uh, could be hor- they might make hormone they might they might support the muscle they might all kinds of stuff everything and basically the book says what you put into your body either makes your mighty mitochondria happy or unhappy they're you're either giving them something that allows them to do their job excellently or you're slugging slowing them down and, and gumming them up and when you gum them up, all these things start to happen. And so that's why in our side conversation uh, earlier, I said, my life is about feed the M&M. And so the M&M stands for feed the mind and feed the mitochondria. So if you feed your mind the right stuff and you feed your mitochondria the right stuff, then the rest is going to take care of itself. So... I- and you feed mitochondria not just with food. You you do it with sleep. You do it with exercise. You do it with, I mean, it's a it's a whole lifestyle thing. So, all those connectors all started because Atomic Habits put in the thought of, you know, start a sustainable habit. And here's how you do that. And then I had to think through what that was. And so I've been working out four or five months with very, I'm sure. Blood pressure-wise, there was an improvement, um, but it wasn't really until everything kind of came together that you see the the significant changes. Tom Feeding. I knew all this stuff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I knew all this stuff. We do, and yet we don't. We, you know, so at some point something clicked. So it clicked with you reading Atomic Habits, and um, that lends well into a focal point for me this year was highlighted by writing the book 
you get, you've mentioned writing your book and getting into the nitty gritty of that and really looking at my days as I've got to have solid creative time and my inability to be creative, to think creatively if I'm not running on all cylinders. So if I'm eating poorly, if I'm sleeping poorly, if I'm stressing, if I'm yada, yada, and I'd sit there and I just can't get the creative workout. It really called me to the mat on how I'm taking care of myself because I can not take care of myself as well. And I can do the busy work, man. I can answer emails. I can, I can even do shows and stuff. Oh, you know, once we get rolling, man, it's, it's what I do. I can kind of get in the flow so I can do a lot, but to really be creative, to create and think creatively, I would put critical thinking in there as well. Or some of the things that, man, those fall off. If I am not, if I'm not well, if I'm not as well as I, you know, as well as I can be. So that was, that was a big highlight for this year. Uh, what you said on, in essence of, uh, just doing consistent. Uh, now I run and ride cause that's fun. That's just fun for me. And, and that's, that's not hard to do. I don't enjoy muscle resistance working out, you know, you're rucking and, and whatnot. And to, to set aside 30, 45 minutes, whatever, to just lift weights, man, I don't enjoy it. And this year was, I hardly did that at all. Instead, I would drop down and do push-ups. I hit the bar that we have. I've got them at home or we got them here at the hit the bar, not that bar, uh, our pull-up bars, um, but our pull-up bars and do some pull-ups and do some dips. I've got our, uh, our, our hack for doing dips is go to Goodwill and buy a $5 old person Walker and you can do dips. So we've got one sitting behind it. I don't know if you can see it in the video, uh, but doing those and just doing them just here and there. When I get up to go to the bathroom and I get up to get a drink or whatever, just do a set. And sometimes I would do them to failure. Sometimes I would just do a handful and I didn't, I wasn't in the mood to hurt, but I just sit down and do it. And to see the benefit of that is what surprised me to see muscle definition and might see my strength go up and see all of a sudden I can do X amount more just from, if I do one set a day, even, even just one set of anything every single day, amazing to see the strength and the maintenance from that. So that was, uh, that was fun. The other thing was trying to do some of my exercise slow that not everything has to just be. So that's a, that's the hardest one for me. So I'm working on doing some slow and staying in that lower stress level. One, one thing you could add to that is the eccentric, do the eccentric exercises slow. So that's, that's the down on the pull-up. It's the let down. Oh, right. That you can do a concentric pull-up, normal pace, and then slow on the down. Turns out your your time spent for eccentric exercises probably better than the time spent on the concentric exercises. Although in the gym, you typically are, you know, it's all about how much can you lift? I was just say, do it like, or even doing a pull up, yank yourself up there and then just down. So you can do the next one instead of a slow down. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Cause you're letting gravity pull you down mm -hmm. and that you're, you're losing out on the benefit. Same with walking downhill. Mm -hmm. Um, cause, cause there's, I, I, there's kind of a pain, right? Or a, it's sort of a pain in the butt. Do you remember Nate DeConing mm -hmm. and how he would run downhill mm -hmm. and just this fall downhill was more like what it was. Yeah. And just the, but the eccentric, that's also so, and so slow down, feel it in your muscles on the, on the down 
is is a way to make more uh, maybe more out of that moment of exercise than it was in the past. Well, it's on that yeah aspect of slowing down. You know, I'm going to take that right into the next category here, which is mind and mental health. That that's I'll give a quick one on that. That's been my highlight this year is slowing down, breathing. I'm I'm consistently thinking about let my shoulders down, <laughs> take a deep breath. I can find myself just shallow breaths and uh, and and having time for contemplation. I've I spent more time in my morning time instead of reading something instead of writing in my journal, even just looking out the window hmm. and you know, if it's a form of meditation, I have a hard time clearing my mind if that's possible, but just, just being, just being and not doing, that's probably been my uh, focal point. It's hard for me to even separate out the mind and the mental health. That's so much a part of the relational journey I've been on mm-hmm. this year and looking at myself, but that is probably the highlight deep breaths, let my shoulders down, being at peace, seeking that, yeah, that, uh, yeah, kind of a meditative aspect, but just as a thread throughout the day has been, yeah, it's been probably the highlight for my mind and mental state. Tom, where do you, what's the highlight there for you? Well, um, so I have a couple of podcasts that I like to go to, um, hidden brain and Freakonomics. Mm Mm-hmm. They just make me do mental gymnastics. Uh, The hidden brain is is about neurology and how our mind works. Uh, And, of course, I'm reading books all the time about uh, our industry, self-development. I just finished a book today, um, The Gap and the Gain. Yeah. And that's the new book by Dan Sullivan and uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who we know. Um, Fantastic. And so here's a mental, uh, we'll call it a a Jedi mind trick. Uh, But in, in the gap, the gap is simply the way most of the people measure their life and fail to achieve happiness and fulfillment. And that is they compare what they've done and accomplished to what the ideal result would be. So they're never fulfilled and it kills performance. And it's very self sabotaging. The gain is people who look at the progress they've made and rejoice in it. They're allowed, they, they can live in the present. So, when you when you have a book project or you're starting to work out uh they they or anything doesn't matter they say amb amb stands for always measure backwards so you look at well what did i do this last week well a month ago what was i doing in that area and you see the progress and suddenly your the way you think your belief everything starts to flip into wow i've made a lot of progress that gives me evidence i can make even more progress whereas if you get really um, outcome goal focused on i've got to weigh a certain weight by a certain date and then life happens it can be very challenging and and it doesn't allow you to live in the moment you know you can be fixated on 
falling short rather than living in the fullness of that moment. So, so mentally I'm always trying to figure out, okay, so what's the, what is it that's, what, what approach is going to give me the best chance for success? And when people ask me, and I've had the hot potato question asked me on, and when I'm speaking in places, you know, all the, the cultural, um, stuff that goes on. I've been asked those and you can either give the politically correct answer or non-answer or the answer that's going to give that person the best chance for success. And so I always, when I, when I get in that situation, I always, I always ask another question. Hey, do you want me to give you what I think would be the best odds for you to be successful if you did something? So you get their permission, right? Because a lot of times, you, you know, you get you can be trapped or set up, and then they'll their answer will tell you what they're really looking for. And so when you when you approach situations like that, um, it allows you to step out of that that bias that you've that you, you that we live life in, because ego and bias say we're going to do it my way. You know, wisdom and openness says, let's do it the best way possible, which might not be my way. <laughs> when, uh, the way I've always done. I want to pull out, you said the gap and the gain. And yeah, Ben Hardy, of course, he's been on the show four times, I think. He's the lead story in my upcoming book. Uh, just an incredible guy, but he has written multiple books with Dan Sullivan, who's a, a legend in the self-help space. And I just reached out finally and said, I asked Ben, said, hey, connect me with Dan. Let's get him on the show and talk about uh, the gap and the gain. So hopefully that will um, happen shortly because, yeah, it's a powerful book. I've heard so much testimony from people on that book. Randy? It's, it's hard to pull this one out because it touches everything. Yeah. And, and so – so I, I I don't know. I think that over 2022, maybe on mental health, that I've seen a little bit of a downturn in uh, my uh, abil- ability. Is that the right word? My uh, ability to fall asleep. And to me, that reflects a, a place I don't want to be in. And and I talk about this all the time to everybody. And so, and I've never, you and I have talked about it a lot and I've only just recently felt that very, very weird. Uh, and for people who haven't felt it, when you lay down to go to sleep and you stop reading your book and you're like, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to put my book down, turn off the light, punch the pillow and go to sleep. And, um, so there's a gap in that. And in the past that was always luxurious, just mm-hmm. I would look forward to that. And then when you go through several nights where you're like, okay, I'll fall asleep. And um, I feel my, you can feel your heart pound or, or your mind starts to focus in on certain things or whatever. And people have very, a lot of different stories about what they're going through. And so that reflects a little bit of unmental health, lack of mental health. And of course, a bad night's sleep equals a rough day the next day and maybe uh, you start to get into a vicious cycle and so why and um, 
in thinking about that and uncovering that, I think, you know, I'm, I'm gathering the data, but I, I think so. My conclusion for 2022 is that is a powerful motivator, but on the negative side of things that, gosh, I'm, I'm willing to make changes to protect sleep, knowing how incredibly valuable that is. God designed us that way. Uh, it's, it's a gift to be able to That's it. wake up with, you know, new every morning, uh, a fresh new day. You, you have to have a good night's sleep. Um, so that's kind of my awareness and realization of a mental health aspect of this year that, that is, is a challenge. And uh, going into 2023, I've got some new ideas to to make mostly around, you know, what is it that I'm eating and when and the timing of it in the evenings that I think that I think are having the biggest impact there. Work, career, business, that's the next spoke. And man, mine's mine's an easy capsule encapsulation on that. And it's been team, team and delegation. And just looking at, man, I want to do more. I want to achieve more uh, work-wise, and yet I have such a finite amount of time uh, to, to do it all. I've got to get help if I'm going to. And that's been hard for me because it's, it's control. It's given up control and some of my issues around that. But, Tom, again, back to the book writing, you know, when you go with a big publisher, you're not on your own. You've got people to answer to. You've got publishers and editors and literary agents and whatnot that are, uh, I need them. And yet that means I'm not fully in control. So it's been a good grappling for me there, uh, on the podcast side, as well as we continue to grow, uh, bringing people on and partnering with people means I'm not as in control, but I'm getting help. And I'm still looking at that, uh, at, at people to make a part of what I'm doing. I'm not the best team player. It's not my natural strength. Uh, but, uh, I want more than what I can do by myself. And mm. if I'm going to stay back to the creativity of my, of the mental side, if I'm going to stay where I do best and the thing that I can only, I can do, I've got to get help elsewhere. And really it's, I'll have to say, and I, people, listeners have heard me say this for me, it's also a shift away from business and more into art, not to, I don't want any negative separation in there, but I function best in creating and uh, you, uh, we mentioned Patrick Lencioni early. It, it might have been when we were talking off off the show, but uh, having him on, we had him on for his new book, Working Genius, and taking his assessment, WorkingGenius.com. It's a, a twenty five dollar assessment, I think. And my key area of Working Genius is wander, W O N D E R, looking, you know, thinking about something and a problem to solve, an idea to come to fruition, and then invention is my next one which is finding a solution for that. That's where I flourish best. So how can I stay in that, in my art, in essence, and offload? For me, it's a lot of the business working. So that's been my focus and is going to be also for 2023. Uh, either one of you. Tom? Yeah, I tell you, um, of course, leadership has been my theme. Um for the last three years, I've just been really digging deep into that. And out of that, there have been certain things that I've read where I try to like connect the dots 
uh, on the way people think from a leadership perspective. So there was a book early in the year called The Wizard and the Prophet. And it's about these two scientists who um, kind of set the stage for the way our culture thinks. Uh, the Wizard, this is back in the 20s, 30s, 40s. When you look at the way climate change has impacted everything around the world, the wizard, and I can't remember his, his name, his school of thought is, you know what? Population growth, no problem. Technology and innovation gonna, is going to solve that, right? We're going to figure it out. The prophet is like, you know what? Uh, we're doomed. Uh, the world is coming to an end. There's too many people. There's too much pollution. There's too much waste. And so when you kind of understand the fundamental um, perspectives of how these two things and the origins came, you see how it rolls out in education and business and thinking, because both of them have pluses and minuses, right? I mean, the wizard, wow. I mean, look at, look at our ability to feed the world that was incomprehensible 50 years ago. And yet, does the food really make us healthy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And so there's pluses and minuses on, on, on both sides. Right. So you can't, you can't, so you look at all these things that are going on. And then I just recently finished a book called the, this is a, a title I never would have picked up um because of the title because it's anti-ziggler it's funny but it's anti-ziggler the title is the road less stupid <laughs> <laughs> and so this uh the author uh he he made a fortune and lost it uh in a crisis and he got all of his leaders together and they did an autopsy uh, of what did they do wrong, right? How did they make all these assumptions and end up cratering? And they wrote all this wisdom out of that. And then they all went, or he went back and made even more. And, and, and so at the end of every chapter, he has these thinking questions that are just, if you're, if, if you're building a business, they're just rock solid thinking questions. So it's, it's that idea of I've got a test in, in what my assumptions is. Otherwise I'll lose, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. <laughs> so, and so those that's, that's been, um, kind of a, just a circle back, you know, around it's, it's like, to me, this whole COVID thing, the 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 first COVID impact on business was it accelerated everything that was going to happen over the next ten years into about a year. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just the companies that were already struggling, man, boom, they're out. The companies that were leading edge and starting to innovate, uh, man, they took off because they could see a new way of doing things. When we look at healthcare, for example, um, we've had telemedicine for 
seven or eight years, but nobody liked it. Well, when it became the only option, now millions of people love it. Because uh-huh. <laughs> if I've got a sinus infection, I'd much rather g- get on a Zoom call and say, yeah, it's April. <laughs> and, and, you know, does it take the replace of going in and having a, a hands-on uh you not know, not if you exam, not if you need an appendectomy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And so, if neither one's right or wrong, it's right. just they both have their place. Right. Uh, but but I look at all these things that are that are happening, and so when I look at business, um, the one thing I know for certain is that disruption is escalating. And we can either try to manufacture an environment that allows us to stay the same person with the same beliefs and the same thoughts around the way the world works and hope nothing changes. That's a bad plan. I mean, Kodak had that plan. Uh, There's a lot of companies that had that plan, right? Or we can take our mindset and apply it to the business and just say, disruption is the most powerful positive thing that's ever happened to us because it's allowing us to see that there's another way, usually a better way to get things. Tom, I got a great resource on that topic. It's called 10 leadership virtues for disruptive times is written by Tom Ziegler, which Sounds another TZ, another TZ in our lives. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So in shameless promotion of that, but I I did want to pull out the other books, which I didn't know. I don't think I knew either of those, Tom, the road, less stupid. You said that's Keith J Cunningham and uh, the wizard and the prophet Charles C Mann, which his name I know, but I have not read. I've not read the book. I think he wrote, um, did he write the Go Giver with Bob Berg? I I don't know. I because yeah, again, I know the name. Charles, let me look it up here. Charles C. Man. Anyway, yeah, it's a historical uh, perspective of these two great scientists who have like shaped the way culture is today. And you've got to have perspective. I was one of our coaches asked me. They they said. Uh, Golly, you know, when somebody asks you a question, it's like no matter what the question is, the answer almost always sees, seems to be the same answer. Why is that? And we were talking about it in the relationship section. It's because every problem is a relationship problem. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. And there's three relationships that we have. We have a relationship with ourselves. We have a relationship with God. And we have a relationship with other people. And if any of those are messed up, your life is messed up. And so when you understand the architecture of the framework by which people live their life and make decisions, then you can see all the dominoes that fall out of that. So if you're, uh, if you're a prophet, then, you you know, it's, it's like any type of innovation that, that, uh, that hurts the earth is bad. So I'm going to be an activist and so I'm going to create uh, laws and rules, but the domino is is poor people die because anytime you raise an energy cost, the people at the lower end are the ones that hurt. 
Or if you're a wizard and you're like, yeah, you know what? We can innovate and create and we can solve this problem today. Yeah, but then you poison the ocean. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and so once you start to understand the framework, uh, then in, in the dominoes, you see how it, it boils down because how do you see it every day? Uh, you see it because you buy Lunchables at the grocery store and you pack your kids with nitrates and their ADHD goes through the roof uh, because it's convenient. So you're the victim of a wizard (laughs) or, or Fukushima in Japan, there's a, uh, the earthquake and tidal wave takes it out. And so Japan decides to shut down all of their nuclear power plants and that accident around that earthquake, I think it killed because of radiation less than 100 people. But now Japan loses over 3,000 people a year because of the increased energy costs. Energy went up 25 to 30%. And so what do people do? They don't spend the money on it. So older people uh, are living in much colder environment, and that has a health consequence. So, and so we got to have wisdom and how do we balance these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that's why that book is in there. It's not because it's going to give you business examples of this is how you build a better business. It's going to give you perspective on where somebody's coming from uh, and how, and then you can serve them better. So Dr. James work, the Focus of 2022 is this small thing. We have rewritten, redefined primary care. So when I say primary care, people think of go to your doctor, get a health checkup, you know. Well, like Tom was saying, a stuffy nose or whatever. Well, Maybe. that's even acute care. Like yeah. you want your primary care guy to be there or gal to be available for that. And telemedicine is much easier, cheaper, quicker. Uh, I just read uh, that Medicare has now rescinded or is set to rescind in December the reimbursement for telemedicine, Tom. So the whole issue there is that doc has to get paid for that telephone call. Well, we w- there, there's got to be a better way. And uh, so the, the concept of primary proactive care or primary functional care doesn't really exist out there and is starting to exist more and more. Um, so we're not the only ones doing that, but, but, but there is no, there is no textbook on, well, what does that mean? And so even the prophet and the wizard, like, how are you going to measure, uh, are we going to start measuring nitrates in kids to say, Oh, that's one too many lunchable. Now you got to go and eat some broccoli or, or whatever. And, Ultimately, I, th- I, I think two things have to happen at the same time. Number one, th- those kind of clinicians have to be there. So we want to create the, the being there aspect. And then number two is those kind of patients have to exist, the people who want to actually go and buy that. And in the past, there's never been both happening at the same time. And I guess number three would be, well, then what's it worth and how much do you pay to, to be in that arrangement. And so the last half of, of, of 2022 has been writing and creating and, and what 
does primary proactive functional care, what is that? What does that look like? So I won't go through all of that because that would take forever, but that's been the business. And, and I like what you said, that that feels artful, mm-hmm. creative. Um, and now the, the, the art and the intelligence and the hope of, okay, will it be successful? I don't know. In January 1, that'll be quarter number one. So uh, we've launched, and and now we'll see how do people respond to that. Because that's kind of a steep learning curve, too, to ask people to understand what it is that we're selling and why it costs what it costs. And, and so next year when we have this question, hopefully we will have learned something and it will be becoming better. I mean, it's been a fair year of re-engineering your business model. Yeah. 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 It, uh, re-engineering of, of growing. So, cause something already works. We are helping people and now we want to say, okay, well, how can we in the past, like you and I said it a million times and everybody says, well, if the American medical system does great at saving people out of the raging waters of pain and, and chronic disease called a heart attack, why don't we go upstream mm-hmm. and help them not fall into this river in the first place? Tom, you've said, yeah, we've already known all these things. It's lifestyle. Yeah, but if you put guardrails on the river up there, people don't like that. They don't want to be told, well, you can't have the easy, cheap lunchable. You need to actually go and do this other thing. Well, okay, so it, it isn't about the doctors coming in and saying, thou shalt not smoke. That, it, it, it has to be something else. The click has to be somewhere else. And, and Tom, you mentioned earlier the concept of agency. So we're going to go to the ears that have agency, self-awareness of, hey, I need something else. There's, and, and I want to sell a product to them that they, they they would still have to come in in the past we've we've tried to go upstream and and create better boundaries to not fall in the river yeah and i'm not going to and it doesn't work i mean people are going to say well i don't hurt enough so i'll go ahead and have my cake and hopefully somebody else will pay for the consequences downstream and they will the system is there it's very inefficient super expensive system but it can't pull you back to wellness it can pull you out of the river of death. So how do we re-engineer what... And ultimately, you you have to stop saying primary care because the, that word already has a definition. And uh, and this gets very difficult because, well, do we call it well care, well-being? You have all of these manifest... You have all of those words are out there. and And everybody has a preconceived notion of it. So our challenge now is to use our marketing tools and our podcasting tools and our 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 tools to create a different definition and a different product that that I think will be successful so we've been calling it direct primary functional mm-hmm. care and yeah that's that's been the the I, business I, it reminds me we had a guy named Doug Paul on the show it's probably been a couple of years and he has a book called Ready or Not, Kingdom Innovation for a Brave New World. Now, he's focused on a spiritual standpoint, but 
the focus of our show and why I had him on was about innovation and the need and necessity of innovation. And I don't know of a place that that's any more acute than medical, not only the need for innovation, but I think especially with you stepping outside of the norm, the requirement, if you don't innovate, you're going to get run over by the machine that's there or by new people who are innovating. So you're in a place of, I mean, this is the second time big, you're, you're consistently innovating. Uh, with that, which is, uh, it's significant. You know, it's interesting as we look at, talk about business that the three of us who are kindred spirits are, we talk about art and, uh, and again, I, I want to make a, a healthful delineation. We need people who do business. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's any of us as our, as our key area of business. I mean, Tom, I know you get, you know, you have a team that helps run the business while you're doing a, a lot of the directing and the, you know, the art of, of your, st- of, of what you do. Same with you, Randy. And I'm talking about that as well, because when you look at our next category, which is money and finances, um, I mean, I know you guys, uh, you can call me out, but I, I don't see you as the, the money is never the forefront thought that you have. And I don't want to say that like you're super altruistic and righteous and, and holy, which you are, but that's <laughs> not the point. You know, the money is not, it's the thing that you want to do that leads. And then we find ourselves talking about, okay, it does have to make financial sense. You've got to have a good business and you teach people this Tom, because I think you're a student of that as well, that we want to do this thing that matters. We want to have purpose and and do things that care for people, but you do need to make money. That's always been my Achilles heel because I put that as such a far back motive and focus that I end up sabotaging the money. If you don't have the money there, you can't do your art. Can, can, can I be first on this one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go. Okay, uh, uh, Tom, because uh, I've talked to Kevin about this, but here I just mentioned uh, new concept of primary care, and gosh, maybe we did talk about this last time. I can't, but in America, if we ask people in in a, even a primary care setting, if I was Mr. Smith's doctor, I said, Mr. Smith, how are you doing? I'm fine, you know, and then my job is to kind of dig under there and say, well, okay, how are you really doing? And so money and finances, that's why it's on the Ziegler wheel of life is because if I were to say to you two guys, what is one of the number one reasons for depression and anxiety in America is money towards the top? Yes, everybody would agree. In fact, statistically, or not even statistically, by evidence of studies, money relationships and uh, health, the thing, the very things we are talking about are the number one reasons for the vast majority of everybody that would be talking about depression or anxiety. So, so that is a part of primary functional care. I have to ask the person in a, in a way that meets them where they are, that doesn't offend that. And that there's the art of, well, okay, how do you ask that? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and so as a part of a medical evaluation, that, that's one of our spokes of what future primary care should care about is, Kevin, how, it's, it's the question you're bringing up to all of us. How's your, even though you are not out there to make more money, how's your relationship with mm-hmm. your money, with your finances does it have an impact on like okay randy is that a part of the reasons why you're having trouble falling asleep at night well gosh maybe i don't know let me think about that okay well then if it is or isn't then 
do this about that, and theoretically, you will be becoming more healthy, weller in the future. Not that doesn't mean you make more money. It means that there's a evolving, growing relation. We're back to that word: relationship with your money. So that's that's that has been my thought in 2022. On that has nothing to do with me making money or on the business side of things, but I'm thinking about it differently. Well, but I want to say it because you've partnered with a friend of ours in making a financial, what are you calling it now? Analysis. Analysis. Yeah. As a uh, part of your medical analysis. As a part of your medical analysis. I mean, so I, I, to put your money where your mouth is on that topic, it's not just something you're interested in. You've actually implemented it in your practice. So it's a part of that yeah, health, which health is, audit. And through the eyes of a certified financial planner who uh, is not selling a product, but his own, like you said, he de- he's very successful. He doesn't need to grow a business, but he wants to, not to make yet more money, but to increase peace in the world. And again, so the antidote for depression and anxiety is not Zoloft. It's, well, what are you doing to build peace, contentment, kindness? And we're back to the virtues, Tom, of they don't just fall in your lap. You build them, you earn them. And, and money, and I think that's why Jesus, you know, you often hear it said that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven or other topics. And because it's such a brilliant creation of God is this thing called money, because it really shows you where your heart is. As, yeah. Tom, what's been the highlight? What's been the focus of money in 2022 for you? Money finances? Oh. Yeah. So the way we describe, you know, your career is how you earn money and finances is your stewardship of that money. Um, how much of it, um, how much of your life is driven by an unhealthy relationship with money. Um, so personally, you know, one of the things I had to come to terms with was I didn't care about money. And that is really, for a long time, that limited my impact. <laughs> so I wasn't focused on earning the money, right? I wasn't focused on this or that. Well, if 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 you let that belief happen, you know, you, everybody's, oh, what a great guy. And you get pats on the back, but you're limited. Yeah. Right. You can't impact as many people as you could if you said, you know what, Uh, we're going to build something that anybody from anywhere who values it would say, wow, that's I want more. Right. And then you have to charge them what what it does to to sustain and grow and solve more problems down the road. So I've gotten on the right side of that belief that uh, and people, if they don't see value in it they won't do it it's it's i've always said if you had the cure for cancer you'd have to charge because they won't take action if they don't perceive a value they're not gonna implement and do it i think somebody Um, once said if you build a better mousetrap you are morally obligated to sell it to the world at a profit because that's the only way it gets to the world that right. helped me out a lot. 
Yeah. Yep. You gotta, you get, you gotta offer it for value. Um, profit. Yeah. Um, I was talking to one of my mentors last, uh, last night and he's a financial, he's like the number one, uh, real estate financial guy in Australia. And he says, golly, we've just culturally, we have really missed the mark. We've told everybody a lie. And the lie is, is that people should save. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and hmm. he lets that sit there for a minute. And then he says, because what we're teaching our kids is to save up money so they can buy something. He says, that's not what we should be teaching. We should be teaching that everybody should control their spending so they'll have money to invest. Right? And so, well, what does an investment do? It brings you a return. And so when we talk about uh, health and wellness, in the training industry, um, it's well-known fact that you get a seven to one return for people who invest in training to develop themselves it grows their business they have an impact seven times that it's like one of the best investments you can make. i can't even it, it would it wouldn't shock me if it was a 10 to one return and if you invest in your health is to because you're eliminating the downside or as much as you can and you're creating optimum capacity for moving into your potential. The the number one we thing we have that could bring value is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, Randy, you're right on because for years we would we would ask people, "Hey, what's the most what's the number one reason for your success?" And usually they would say their family. Okay, we'd say, "Great, you know we're having a uh, we're having a family event. It's a marriage weekend, and it's." $500 and it's in three months. Do you want to come? Uh, no. And then two seconds later, they'll say, but you got a sales seminar coming up. And I'll be like, yeah, it's, it's three days and it's $2,000. And they'll say, well, here's my credit card. So, so there's this like disconnect between what we say makes us successful and, and where we invest our money. And when you get to that higher level of people who get it, where do they invest their money? In coaches who help their health and their family relationships and their mindset, right? That's that's where it goes. And so we 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 we've got to um, offer what we have it, it, it and be proud to make a profit. Uh, I now price everything to where if I need to throw extra in, I do it with joy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. If you're pricing it so low that anything extra they ask for that you need to give, it's like hurts. That's just, you're, you're in misery. They're, they're unhappy. You're unhappy. So Tom, you said the word that is my highlight and it's invest. That's been, this has been a year of, well, gosh, even what you said that you realizing you don't care about money. Um, 
inherently I don't. And I know Randy long enough to know that's not a primary mode. It never comes to the forefront of our discussions about our work and our business. But, you know, from a, a Ziegler perspective, if we don't have a plan, we don't have a goal, how are we ever going to arrive there? So it's been looking at that, being okay with that, trying to make peace with yeah, the desire to make more money because of what we can do with it. But this has been a year of, uh, I've candidly made more money and I've invested it. I am not saving it in a, an account somewhere. I'm investing it. And it's been amazing to see the results of, of that. But man, coming back to you, Randy, your, your aspect of relationship, my relationship with money and just the stark realization that making more money changes my relationship. Not at all. What I found out is making more money. It allows me to avoid the problem that's already there. And now I can avoid the money issues, you know, pay the CPAs, try to get everybody to take care of it. Didn't really change my relationship mm-hmm. with it. So, um, looking at, yeah, my relationship there, looking at the, um, the, the risk sometimes of investing it. I've invested a lot this year and already seeing a return on that. And it's also not just an investment of time. For me, it was a big, I went to a, uh, some conferences this year, one in particular. I don't generally go. I know the value of them, but I don't like investing the time. I'm a homebody. I don't want to go. I don't want to go chit chat. I don't want to go network. It's just not my thing. It's all auditory. I don't like that either. I'm a writing guy. I learned more in the hotel room reading something, but I did that. And oh my gosh, the, the results were gigantic. So for me, it was an investment of time and discomfort hmm. uh, as well as money. So invest that is that was the word. And, uh, and I know either that is my decided word focus theme for 2023 is going to be to continue to invest. I've got a lot happening. I'm just going to roll it back in and keep investing it and look on that return on investment. And you said that, uh, Tom, a second ago, the 10, 10, 10 to one return when we invest in our, in our health or for ourselves, as we invest in our health, I'm going to, let's take that right into the last spoke here, which is, I really like to look at interest, but it's personal, it's interest. And, We've talked about this, especially you and I, Randy, on call it self-care, right? That thing that we often look at doing something for ourselves as a luxury. We've been talking about this for years, but culturally we stink at it. And I think especially amongst the type of people that we are and who listen to this show, which I'm going to call an aspiring person who does, wants to go out there, serve people, help people, have purpose, matter, make a difference, that they are generally the worst, at taking care of them, investing in themselves. Cause we see it as a luxury. If I go take time for me, I'm not giving it to somebody else. I'm taking it away from my spouse. I'm taking it away from my kids. I'm taking it away from making money to care for my family. I'm taking it away from my audience, my followers, my, uh, the people, my clients and customers that I serve. That's just so intuitive to think that way. And this has been, I don't know why, but it's been, no, I do know why I'm actually going to attribute it back to the book. And looking at the book and the need to go down that rabbit hole and be creative and knowing I've got to be running on all cylinders and to use that pun intended running to know that, man, the best thing for me in this moment might be to go do a run Mm -hmm. just to clear my head, get me thinking, and then come back down and be able to sit in my chair to get the sleep that I need to go to bed earlier than the rest of the family who's having fun. And I kind of feel guilty, but go, man, if I do, I... I'm more creative in the morning. I'm more creative to think about family planning 
I mean, I serve my family and I've done more consistent getaways, which for me are primarily solo. So I can get away, whether it's to write or go on a great mountain bike run or, uh, uh, to, you know, to have just some, uh, uh, an experiential thing that helps my creativity or just recharges me. That's probably been the main word. What, what will recharge me? And it may be going to sleep. It may be going to watch a movie by myself that I can really focus on and not be distracted from. And, you know, there's a balance there. I think this is a tenuous, it always is because we feel like, oh, we're just being selfish and you can go, everybody knows somebody who that's all they do. That's all they do is they go take care of themselves and have fun and they're not helping a soul. I don't think there's a lot of people, but we get burnt by that, I think. But to look over here and what I realize as I have people on the show, they are sitting here talking about something significant that they have done, that they have brought to fruition, that they have brought to the culture and they've done so on the backs of so much back to what you said, Tom, investment in themselves. They put that as a high priority. And it's interesting to hear as folks listen to those shows that I do with people on values, habits, and, and motives and habits, and to hear that they all generally have unique things that they do for themselves, whether it is, yeah, some getaways, if they go dancing, if they read, if they uh, go to a movie in the middle of the day. I'll never forget that guy. That was a, kind of a luxury thing that he did for himself, but it just inspired him. Ultimately, that's it. I, I really can encapsulate like, what is that thing you do for yourself that just inspires you and makes you a better human? Mm-hmm. Please go do that. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to be the best human you can be because it serves me. So Randy, go ski. Will you just get on the slopes and go ski? That is not a luxury. Go out there. And it's been interesting as I've embraced that more to see my family do that. And they are so stoked for me to go on a great mountain bike ride that is just going to fill my soul because I come back and I'm just a more enjoyable, productive, giving, caring, loving human being. Mm. So that's at the top of my uh, list with that last spoke of, you know, the things we do for us, the personal, um, Randy, go ahead. So this is a question we ask in the clinic all the time too. And the way I divide it up is to say, okay, we've talked about nutrition. We've talked about exercise. We've talked about sleep. And and then I'd say, okay, Randy, in this case, those are forms of self-care to be sure. And, And in my world, I don't need any more convincing, but I, I'm going to, to invest in myself and my life in those ways. But then the next question is, okay, outside of nutrition, exercise, sleep, Randy, what are you doing to care for your soul, hmm. for your self-self, your essence, your, your inner self? And, and, and I'm, I'm not great. And last year, uh, I did do my very first, uh, ski trip by myself in forever that was in february and had some great takeaways and some learning and this year and the kids were playing basketball we didn't do you know uh, we didn't do ski passes and whatever so so it might not happen this year I, I don't have it planned but um for me now what that has been is is with rider driving i i have two 30 minute walks on most days and so that's that would be my answer. This for 2022 is those that and if you if if I would have done that to myself in my in my 30s and 40s, that would have been a, a burden. Mm-hmm. 
That would have been the go to the gym five days a week kind of feeling, Tom, of I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to take the time. So the investment of the time without the obligation of learning something, reading something. So the luxury of, of that time to memorize something, to contemplate, to breathe, to be, to just see what happens of, huh, I've never done this before. This is an adventure to, to let my brain wander for 30 minutes at a time, twice a day. Uh, I'm, that's, that's a stewardship of the time of the body of the mind that I'm going to invest in for. So I've kind of just started, I guess, um, since the fall of 22 that I will continue to do in 23 and see what the return on that investment is. Sweet. Tom. Yeah. So the personal for me, um, we, we define or I define it as what brings you energy and some people have energy in a crowd and, you know, just nonstop socializing. I'm pretty close to the complete opposite. I get my energy at 5.15 in the morning on my couch with one light on, thinking, reading, and reflecting. <laughs> so self-care for me is... Am I putting by, am I taking time to build energy in my life? Um, I'm very jealous of where you guys live because I love the outdoors, hiking, mountains. And so one of the things that I started doing last year that I'm going to continue to do is collecting waterfalls. Mm -hmm. uh, so whenever I'm speaking somewhere, I will look in the, if especially if it's in the West or near mountains or whatever, I will arrange my schedule to get there a day or a half day early or leave a half day or a day late to go hike to a waterfall. Um, when I did that Reno trip I talked about earlier, yeah. I went in, you know, instead of landing at four in the afternoon, I landed at 10 in the morning and I drove to Tahoe and did the walk around Tahoe. Well, part of it that's a big lake uh, but that was because i know that brings me joy and energy and that's something that i can do uh that i that i love to do so that's um that's for me so what am i doing next year more of the same i've i now have an opportunity to to go to uh australia and vietnam and so the fun part about the even though i'll be speaking three, maybe four times. Uh, the fun part about that trip is going to be the adventures in between each of the, the dates. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and to believe that having that adventure actually makes me better on stage. That's a big deal. Uh, there's a, we work with a lot of people who feel guilty about prioritizing self-care above what they've been told their whole life. Hey, it's about, it's about your business. It's about serving the people around you. And there's a word that's been going around our coaching community, which is the world seems to have a dryness right now. Right. And too many people are pouring out of an empty cup. 
And so one of the things I would say to everybody listening to this podcast is you need to fill your cup up so it overflows. And you need to tap into the source that fills it to overflowing constantly. Um, We were, one of you used the word surrender earlier. I think I heard that word. And I have this mental picture in in, uh, Tony Evans, who's a preacher. He talked about how we have in ourselves, we have a limited capacity for energy, right? We can, we can run ourselves dry of energy. We can, you know, physically deflate where we can't give anything else. But our Father in Heaven has an unlimited supply. And as I was contemplating that, um, the, the exchange is this. There's a valve between me and my Creator, and, and I have to release, you know, I have to accept that, uh, what, what God can pour into me. But on the on the valve is a word, and the, that word is surrender. Because if we if we try to solve the world's problems, um, it's it's impossible. Okay, so Tom, I I I can't. It's a great anchor. It's almost a mic drop. Am I taking time to build energy in my life? Mm. Be building energy. Yeah, I mean, because you look at priorities, and the consummate thing, especially from a faith-based aspect, is what you know. What are your priorities? God, family, and then my work. Right. That's just the, what we always say. You know, where do you fall into there? And you got me thinking. I mean, if you get a new Tesla or a new phone, whatever, it doesn't matter what the capability is. What is the very first thing you must do? You have to charge it. Yeah, plug it in and charge it. So to look at ourselves and to think, I've got these great, grandiose, altruistic, righteous priorities if I have not charged myself. And it made me think, I mean, that the term energy, is there a bigger desire from the culture right now or the need or a desperate need for more energy, right? We've got a bazillion dollar industry of energy drinks now that didn't used to exist, but everybody needs more energy because I would say, I think you would say they're not recharging themselves. We don't do that. And so, man, you may have just readjusted at least a perspective that my, was my priority for 2023? Uh, what am I doing? I, I'm going to be taking time to build energy in myself, in my life so that I can go out and serve people as I want to, but that's got to come first. So if that comes in the form of sleep and good food and whatever, but also the things that, again, I like that you say that builds energy, what builds energy. I mean, if if going golfing builds energy for Tom Ziegler, please go golf. If it's skiing, if it's dancing, if it's, and it doesn't have to be just this, a fun activity. Um, like you said, a meditative time, Mm -hmm. whatnot, uh, what builds energy in your life. I read a study on sleep um, where they took some type A top performers who bragged about getting less than five hours of sleep. And they put them into an ex- basically an experiment where they couldn't tell if it was day or night. And they said, just sleep when you're tired. Well, their circadian rhythms lined up and they their sleep went out to seven or eight hours. But they were still working in this environment. There was just no the way to keep time their productivity went up 
Yeah. So they were bragging about getting more work done than everybody else because they only needed five hours of sleep. But their performance and productivity went up when they were getting the right amount of sleep. And I think mm -hmm. that's everything in our life. I mean, we can look at anything we do, and that's what's going to happen um, when, when we create. And that's creating energy. Yeah. That's all it is. It's allowing your body to operate. Our, our physical health either limits or unleashes our potential. Mm -hmm. That's just like your mitochondria. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I love the perspective. I can put in more, I can put in lots and lots of hours at X percent, 50% productivity or put in less at a higher productive standpoint mm -hmm. that, that I have seen that come to fruition. Well, this is, this may be the longest show ever, but um, man, I think it's of high value to hit these key areas and to look back on life. What a great exercise. I'll probably put that in the intro for everybody to do, to look back on these areas and see what stood out, good and bad challenges, mm -hmm. uh, investments, benefits, and uh, what a great way maybe to enter into where do we want to, what do we want 2023 answers to be is mm -hmm. a good direction. So brothers, thank you guys. Thank you. I'm inspired. Thank you. you just built energy into me. <laughs> well, friends, I would really encourage you to take the seven spokes on the Ziegler wheel of life and audit yourself. What stood out for this past year? What do you want for the new year? If you're one of those people who spends days and writes a novel for your yearly goals, that's great. But even taking a mere 15 to 30 minutes just to conceptualize any intentional direction that you desire, it'll profoundly impact your year for the better. I just can't overstate that. You can search for the Ziegler Wheel of Life and follow along with it. You can find it anywhere online. But I'll list them again for you right here. Spiritual, relational, health and wellness, mindset, career, money and personal interests again if you want to connect with my co-host here tom ziggler find him at ziggler.com and randy dr james at truelifemedicine.com thanks again for choosing to tune into the self-helpful podcast if you got value i would covet a review and best thing talk about what you heard here keep the discussion going i sincerely hope i've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.